welcome to the Philia podcast. Philia means daughter. We are the daughters of the women who came before us and we fight so that our daughters may be free. We are a women-led volunteer organization. Our vision is a world free from patriarchy where all women and girls are liberated. We seek to contribute to the women's liberation movement by building sisterhood and solidarity among women locally, nationally, and globally. By amplifying the voices of women, particularly those less often heard or purposefully silenced, and by defending women's human rights. Our podcast seeks to shed light on some of the most pressing issues facing women and girls around the world. Please take from them what you can. In sisterhood and in solidarity, the Philia team. In December 2020, eight months ago, some unusual, troublesome event happened in the University of Leicester. This event turned out to upset many sex trade survivors. The event I'm talking about was launching the University of Leicester Student Sex Worker Policy and Toolkit. Before we delve into the details, I must clarify something. We sex trade survivors tend to be suspicious of the terms sex work and sex worker. The reason is that after seeing the sex industry with all its inhuman cruelty from inside, we know very well that prostitution is neither sex nor work which is more like sexual abuse. However, the University of Leicester claimed that the motivation behind delivering this toolkit is supporting the students in prostitution. Okay, this is definitely worth a goal. Today, I invited Nicole to talk with us about the student sex worker toolkit to understand the project better. Nicole is a sex trade survivor and feminist activist from the UK who can offer valuable insights on this issue. So thank you for joining us today, Nicole. Could you please elaborate a little bit more on the University of Leicester student sex worker policy and toolkit? What is there inside it? and how it is expected to assist the students in prostitution. Hi Luba, and um, can I just say thank you very much for inviting me to speak today. So the University of Leicester has uh, introduced the student sex work policy and two toolkits. One of the toolkits is for staff and the other one is for students. And they've obtained funding to do this from the ESRC and the ESRC is the Economic and Social Research Council. I need to point out here as well that they've also received funding to roll the toolkits and the policies out to other universities too. So this is not just something that is affecting the University of Leicester. First of all, we'll, if we look at the policy, 
it begins by explaining that the purpose is to ensure that any students who are sex workers are positively supported with their personal well-being and safety being considered as a priority. So obviously that's a good thing and I would agree with that, that students who are involved in the sex trade should be supported and their safety and well-being prioritised. But as a sex trade and sex trafficking survivor, I am concerned that the policy doesn't take all the relevant issues into account. If we look at the toolkit for students, that does give lots of advice about how to keep themselves safe. And really that safety advice just highlights how dangerous it really is to work in the sex trade. So one example from the safety advice says that um, they they recommend choosing a position during sexual intercourse where you are on top because this is safer and you're more in control. But then further advice to avoid COVID transmission says that it's safer to have sex in a doggy style position. And also it encourages a face down position to be taken to avoid transmission of COVID, which is actually really dangerous for someone who's working in the sex trade and at risk of, of violence. So in the toolkit, there's also advice on um, how to access counselling services. And there's a list of organisations that offer support to anyone working in the sex trade. But as far as I can see, none of those services listed have identified how they can support women who want to leave the sex trade. How ubiquitous, in your opinion, is the phenomenon of students and prostitution? There was some research that was undertaken prior to the development of the policy and the toolkit, and that suggested that 5% of students have been involved in the sex trade, with 20% having thought about it. But these figures also include the porn industry, strip clubs and webcamming, as well as prostitution. But this research was undertaken in 2015, and the figures may have changed now due to the sharp rising costs for students. We have quite a high percentage of students in prostitution in various domains of the sex trade because uh, porn and strip clubs and webcamming are not, uh, are not different from prostitution in my perception. They're also domains of the sex trade, but uh, how many women in prostitution can acquire high education? I mean, in your opinion, and based on your experience, how many women will be able to complete the studies while being in the sex trade? This is um, a hard question to answer because I actually left prostitution so that I could pursue higher education. And my experience was that the two weren't compatible. But I do recognize that is my personal experience and that would be different for other women. But women who are involved in prostitution and that who are also being coerced or pimped and women who have problems with addiction would find it practically impossible to pursue higher education without a higher high level of support. Okay, so probably different women have different experiences. Because based on my experience and the experience of many other women, not all of them, obviously your experience count, but many women uh, weren't be able to complete the uh, higher studies and ever the secondary school due to the prostitution-induced trauma. 
it's extremely stressful being involved in prostitution and the sex trade. Okay, it doesn't promote uh, prostitution, but I think that the fact that prostitution might traumatize a woman and, and make her unable to continue her studies, this fact should be mentioned. Absolutely. Anyway, in, in your opinion, so we have this toolkit and the, it is designed to assist students in prostitution. But in your opinion, what are the most urgent needs of the students in prostitution that must be addressed uh, via this toolkit? I have read it briefly and that uh, one of its primary foci was uh, social isolation. As a survivor myself, I can relate to that. Living with a dark secret is horrible, barely the only problem, not even the main problem. So is it enough to focus on social isolation? What was lacking in the toolkit, in your opinion? Yeah, absolutely right, Luba. It's not the only, by any means, the only concern. I think the dangers are really underemphasized in the toolkit. The risk to mental health is greatly underemphasized as well as the high risk of exploitation, the risk to physical health and increased likelihood of turning to alcohol and drugs as a coping strategy. And the the risk of developing complex trauma, PTSD, is higher for those in the sex trade or those who have exited the sex trade than it is for those who have left the armed forces. And the dangers of being involved in the sex trade, they're, they're so well known. And I just wonder why these have been omitted from the existing toolkit. Yeah, so speaking of uh, PTSD and uh, prostitution-induced trauma, are there, uh, I I haven't noticed actually, are there any phone numbers or addresses of trauma-focused care services or exit services or psychiatric help, psychological help? Yeah, so... It does list some support services and counselling services, but as far as I'm aware, none of the services listed offer a a clear exit strategy for anyone who wants to leave the sex trade. It seems to be more about supporting them while they're in the sex trade. Yeah, I don't understand how you can support a woman in prostitution psychologically while uh, avoiding, ignoring the fact that prostitution is the main source of uh, trauma and PTSD. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Anyway, another question is the explicit target audience of the toolkit is the students who are already in prostitution. But obviously the university cannot deliberately spare the students who are not in prostitution. Everyone can uh, access and get this uh, toolkit. So, Nicole, in your opinion, if a young woman who has never been prostituted reads the toolkit, what perception of the sex trade will she build? So, when I've I've read the toolkit and I just feel like it really normalises the sex trade and it offers it as a reasonable solution to anyone who is um, experiencing financial hardship. So according to the toolkit, how it is different from any other blue-collar job? It doesn't, it doesn't really offer that. It doesn't really offer that it's any different apart from some of the safety issues that, you know, in, in terms of it gives some advice on how to keep themselves safe. So, for example, one of the bits of advice it gives is don't wear anything around your neck 
so obviously that's to pre prevent someone from strangling you so in a, you know an ordinary job for example somebody working in a supermarket or an office would not be advised not to wear something around their neck to avoid being strangled this isn't a normal it's not a normal job no it's not and a normal it sounds like uh, some um, special military forces training exactly and it's not a reasonable solution for someone who's experiencing problems with money and finance of what I understand from you, the toolkit doesn't glamorize prostitution, but in some way it normalizes it. Definitely. I think it's a, it's, a, it's a good thing that it lists, it gives advice on how students involved in prostitution can keep themselves safe. But actually by giving that advice, it just demonstrates how dangerous it actually is. But then the, the toolkit, by promoting the toolkit, that is really normalising sex, the sex trade as a reasonable option. Yes, and another problem is that uh, uh, the, the toolkit is uh, can be accessed not just by students in prostitution and not only by female students who are not in prostitution, but also male students. Male students can, can read the toolkit too. So let's imagine a young student, a young man who has never paid for sex before. What perception of prostitution will he develop after reading the toolkit? So again, you know, it, it's promoting the idea that buying sex is acceptable and okay. And again, normalising the objectification and commodification of women's bodies. And it normalises the buying of sex. So the other thing that I feel it does is that it emboldens the sense of entitlement that men many men already have over women and they may even excuse the behavior of sex buyers by saying that they're helping someone in financial hardship yeah i'm i'm familiar with this uh, male perception many men if many sex buyers if you ask them they will tell uh, i i help her to to make uh, her living i fund or i finance her children i help her to to manage some uh, luxury or reasonable lifestyle. So now we have uh, one more idea for them. I pay for the, her higher education. Yeah, exactly. But but actually, um, if they really cared about the woman and they were concerned that her opportunities to education were limited because of financial reasons, then surely they would just give them the money without asking them to perform sex acts. That's true. They, they never have an uh, answer for to that. That's no. <laughs> By the way, while reading the toolkit, I have noticed that uh, a great deal of it was dedicated uh, to not just to the support, to uh, psychological support, but uh, there was also support in the decriminalization model of the sex trade regulation. For our listeners, I will uh, briefly explain that the discourse related to the sex trade in the UK is uh, extremely polarized. Many voices in the UK and uh, worldwide are calling for the Nordic model, which is a ban on buying sex services and pimping. Under the Nordic model, the governments usually fund exit services for women who escape prostitution as well as men and children. Other people call for blanket decriminalization 
for everyone involved in the sex trade, including uh, women in prostitution, sex buyers, and pimps. Decriminalization uh, normally includes uh, setting up licensed brothels with loose regulation. The toolkit offers one-sided, mobilized stand that fully supports decriminalization. Let me remind you us of the toolkit's purpose, helping the already prostituted, prostituted students. So in your opinion, why do we need to decriminalize pimps to support students in prostitution? Exactly, Luba. The decriminalization of pimps can only lead to more women being exploited by pimps. I think those that support full decriminalization would argue that it's safer for women to work together or in brothels. But those people that run brothels are still primar primarily concerned with making money. They may pay lip service to the safety of women, but the safest thing for women would actually be if they didn't have to be involved in the sex trade at all. This uh, educational material, material can uh, achieve another purpose. Maybe they didn't mean it, but uh, students can read it and they, will, might, uh, they may start mob mob mobilizing to support and promote decriminalization, which is uh, basically promotes the pimps and not students in prostitution. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so if you were asked now, you are assigned with the task of designing a toolkit, a toolkit for students in prostitution in campuses. So what content would you include in it? What uh, messages, sources of info, support, desired policy? I think it would be really important to ensure that the toolkit content gives a true picture of the realities of being involved in the sex trade as well as offering support. I've already mentioned the risk to physical and mental health, the high risk of being attacked and worse. So I know this is going a little bit off track in terms of what you've asked me, but I've survived sex trafficking. I've survived an arson attack. I've survived being beaten and being kidnapped at gunpoint. And I'm lucky to be here and able to speak with you today about this. Many women aren't so lucky. And my heart goes out to them and their loved ones. And now the existing toolkit, it does dis discuss some of the legal implications, but I think this would be something that would be important to be included in a bit more detail, because I do wonder if people realise that the risks of having a criminal record with prostitution stated on it can severely limit future employment options. And I don't feel like this can be overemphasized enough. So something else that people may not be aware of is that uh, if they're applying for work in some government departments or the civil service, it is quite likely that police records will also be checked even where there is no criminal record. So this has implications for anyone who has reported incidents to the police. So they may not have a criminal record themselves, but there would be an account of them being involved in the sex trade if they'd reported a crime that was committed against them. So one example of this I've heard about is um, a young woman who was doing webcam work. And through this, a man somehow discovered her real identity and began to stalk her. 
So she reported him to the police and now she can no longer have her real name anywhere. Uh, so on a workplace website, for example, or the stalker will find out where she is again. So how does she explain this to her employers and work colleagues? Why she can't have her name on the employer's website? How can she avoid the stigma and repercussions? So these are the kind of things that I think it would be important to include in the in the toolkit, because I think it can really help people to think things through and understand the risks involved, which might not be that obvious. So within the toolkit, I'd also really like to see an emphasis on better financial support for students who, who are experiencing financial hardship. So at present, it's approximately 73% of student income goes on accommodation costs. So it's no wonder that some students feel that they've got no choice other than to enter the sex trade. In the toolkit, I would also really like to see more advice on how they can exit the sex trade and um, advise on services that can help women to exit. Uh, do you have any good uh, service that you can recommend now during this conversation for our listeners? I think um, what I'd like to do is in the show notes, if we have that, that information available in the show notes, and I was also hoping to include some, some further advice on, um, on those services. Before that, uh, for our listeners, I think that as for now, in the best uh, source in the UK to obtain reliable information on the sex trade is uh, the website nordicmodelnow.org. Just uh, type it and you will reach the site. And uh, maybe I'm not familiar with any option for uh, support uh, trauma-focused and trauma-focused care, but uh, I have heard of uh, You My Sister. This uh, support service for survivors is uh, very advisable. Yeah, I've I've been lucky enough to work with you, my sister, um, and I would, I'd highly recommend them as a service. Thank you. So before we finish, would you like to add something, some personal message? I would just really like to say that I hope that if there's any any woman who's involved in the sex trade, I really don't want them to feel bad about their choices and I hope that that my message is that really I'd like you to be able to understand that there are there is support and services out there to help but I completely understand why you would get involved in the first place yeah that's that's what I'd like to say Luba thank you so much Nicole for everything have a nice day thank you and thanks thank you for inviting me to speak Luba Thank you, dear listener, for tuning in. We are incredibly grateful to all the women who donate their time and their efforts to create this podcast. That includes our guests, our interviewers, and our editors. You can find us on your favorite listening platforms like Apple, Stitcher, and Spotify. Just search for Philia Podcast. Please help us reach even more women. You can do that by subscribing to our show, by sharing this podcast with your friends, with your family, and with your co-workers, or by leaving us a positive rating and review. Philia organizes the largest annual grassroots feminist conference in the UK. We would love to see you there. 
you can support our work by joining the Friends of Philia scheme, by giving a solidarity ticket so that even more women can join our conference, and by subscribing to our newsletter. Please take a look around our website, philia.org.uk, to find out more. Together, women make magic happen, and we can't wait to be in touch with you.